from Trimble Construction, you're listening to the Connected Construction Show, where we connect you to the contractors, owners, designers, engineers, and construction professionals who are finding better ways to work. And now, here's your host, Matt Sprague. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Connected Construction Show. Uh, as always, I am your host, Matt Sprague. Um, we are still here at Dimensions 2022, Las Vegas, Nevada, at the, uh, where are we? We're at the Venetian Resort and Casino. Um, super excited to be here and super excited to have uh, my guests, uh, Frederick and Kevin. Thanks, you guys, so much for, for joining the show. Thanks for having us. Thank you. So um, tell the audience a little bit about yourselves. Uh, I, I, won't, I won't do the injustice of trying to introduce, uh, to introduce you. You guys will do it better than me. Uh, tell us um, who you are, you know, uh, who you work for, what your title is, but more importantly, how you get to be where you are today. What, what, what's been your path through the industry? So, who wants to go first? Sure. Uh, I'll go first. Uh, my name is Kevin Andrews. I'm the strategic marketing manager for Trimble Autonomy, uh, which means my current role is, is helping a bunch of different groups within Trimble organize their long-term plans around autonomous technologies uh, and product development. Um, my background is in navigation engineering, uh, an engineering, back, uh, engineering degree from the University of Calgary. Um, I got on the autonomy path, I think, in around 2004 when we sponsored the DARPA Grand Challenge, which was a, one of the first attempts to really build an autonomous car. Um, they had to go like 100 miles through the desert, and, and nobody really knew if they could even do it. So we got to work with groups like Carnegie Mellon and Stanford University, some of the biggest nerds in the world, to try and, um, you know, just prove that this could be done, and it was it was a lot of fun to be a part of those teams, and, and obviously the technology worked eventually. I think about the third try, they finally got it working, and uh, and yeah, we just kept it going. You know, we got into we got into industry, we got into you know, farming and ag and all kinds of different stuff, and, and here we are, just keeping it going. Yeah, the applications are endless, and that's they what are. we're going to talk about today. Definitely, a lot about autonomy. But Frederick, yes, Frederick Olkson, a Swedish national, born and raised in Karlskrona, where they're done up with factories. Uh, I've had about 25 years with Dynapack now, uh, working in product management, uh, application support, supporting our end users, sales team, uh, with training, how to use the equipment in the most efficient way, select equipment, where to use it, and, and uh, yeah, trying to be as efficient as possible. And we had, I think, five and a half, six years back, uh, partnered up with Trimble on the autonomy side, so I have been... Uh, in my role as portfolio manager back then, uh, connecting point. Uh, now on the application side, I'm would say even more deeply involved in the project, supporting Trimble and the development on, on how to use the autonomy for for soil compaction, which is our first goal uh, where where Dynapack is involved. So it's an, it's an interesting journey, awesome. but it's it's only just started. I would say from from our side. Yeah. Whereas autonomy has a much longer history and other other industries, but for us, it's uh, it's fresh. That's, uh, nice. That's awesome. And I think a little bit later in this episode, I want to dive into a little bit more in terms of what you you guys are working on together uh, when it comes to autonomy. But I want to I want to lift it a little bit higher. Uh, I always like to kind of utilize myself as the uh, potential idiot here that doesn't understand everything. So, from a pretty high level, uh, let's talk about autonomy and construction. So I, the first thing, obvious thing that I think of is is autonomous road vehicles. Um, 
and that's probably what the majority of the public will, will think of. But there are, are uh, uses of autonomy uh, in different industries, but more specifically in construction. So what 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 is that? What what, what problems are being solved? Um, yeah, I mean, you're right. That, that definitely passenger vehicles are, are the first thing most people think of. Um, you know, there's like robo taxis that are out on the road now. Like apparently, Lyft and Motion will have a a, a robo taxi operating in Vegas. Um, it's been my goal to get on one. I think I'm preparing myself for disappointment. It only operates, I think, in certain times. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, talk about the problems that, that we've been trying to solve. I mean, Trimble has been in autonomy in the way we define it since like the late '90s when we started building these great control systems. And really, and we define that as autonomy because anything that sort of goes through the, the sense, think, act cycle is what we call autonomy. So if it senses the world around it, thinks and, and tries to make a decision about what to do about it, and then acts in some way, then we kind of define that autonomy as autonomy. So even like a even like a, a visual indicator for the operator to say, you know, your, your blade's got to go up or down or left or right or something like that, you know, that, that still kind of counts. It's, yeah. it's, the very low level of autonomy. It's an autonomous decision. It is, yeah. yeah. It is, you know, we call that partial autonomy. There yep. are a couple of other different things. Um, so, yeah, there's lots and lots of opportunities in, in just about every industry to, to bring a little bit more intelligence in, you know, bring some sensors in, bring some thought into it, um, and start solving real problems. Yeah, no, I agree. That's the very point. To find the problem and then to find the solution for it. We've been with Dynapack the past 30 years or so uh, looking at various ways to, to help the operators do a better job. You have, um, since the mid-90s somewhere, recording, measuring the stiffness of the ground, giving that feedback to the operator to make decisions. So there is sort of a, a guidance system there. Uh, next step was to add GPS receivers, which it was sort of mid-2004, yeah, 2005, enhancing it a little bit further. So you can see your pass count map, you bring it forward one step. Um, and then now with this information, we'll be able to, to eventually take the operator out of the equation, so to speak. And there are, there are some benefits with that. There are some setbacks as well, maybe initially, but, but um, like, like we're doing today, we instruct the operator to run a certain number of passes. Let's say you should do six passes to cover an area. Uh, that's a good start because somewhere in a test track, we determine six passes is the target. That will get us to the level of quality that we need. Uh, so we instruct the operator to do that. Does that mean that six passes will be made? Maybe on a good day, on a good operator, we get that kind of result with various overlaps and various efficiency issues. If we have a machine that we instruct to do the same thing, um, we can control that much more in detail. We get the right number of passes. We can minimize the overlaps. We can, we can improve the efficiency and, and have a greater transparency as well. We know exactly what's happening when we get to that point. Um, then the benefits, I think, will become obvious. When you compare, when you see the outcome, um, and when those benefits exceed the initial input, because with any investment, you know, you have an investment first, and then it starts to pay off. It will be the same with this. It's, it's a learning curve for us, for the end users, and, and uh, for everybody involved in this. But I think it has, uh, it has a brilliant future. More for some projects than for others, but, yeah. but obviously, that is the thing. We need to figure out together with you guys, together with the customers, where are we going? Where is who, who's sort of leading this? What are the initial projects we want to go to, and, and how do we address that? And then it will be, I think, we pull from the market when you start seeing the benefits. So it's, um, I think it was 
uh, Rob Painter, uh, the Trimble CEO in the keynote yesterday, I think, I've listened to a lot of different uh, sessions, but uh, he was talking about uh, the effect of sustainability. I think he brought up a compaction example. But, I did, yeah. But now it's a, I, 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 what I'm also hearing is that, and he didn't, I don't think it was specifically around autonomy, but it was around, um, you know, uh, measurement and bringing a feedback loop in to say six passes should do it. But if all of a sudden four hits the compaction that you need, then it would stop. So is there a, is, is it, uh, is the future or is it current that we're, we're, we're marrying autonomy with sensors and, and, and actual measurement to, to, to try to uh, create greater efficiency? Uh, yeah, I, I just I come up with a billion dollar idea. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're right. It's it's um, it's really what Frederick mentioned mentioned overlap, and that's that's really one of the biggest ways that autonomy can make savings. If you know, we we apply this in ag, we apply it in, in uh, construction. Um, you know, as you're as you're trying to cover an area with a machine, and you've got you know maybe you have to do like five rows, but a human operator is going to tend to put in more overlap because they don't want to make any misses. Misses, you got to go back and do it again. Yeah. So. We talk about overlap in terms of percentage, and I think you had a number today of like 40%. Yeah. So 40% of this lap is going to get covered again as he comes back in the other direction. Well, that's 40% waste. Like, you don't want to do that yeah. twice. So if you can really precisely, like, get those edges right up against each other, yeah. then that's where the savings come. We see it a lot in ag as well. Like, we do a lot of, um, you know, precision farming has been a big thing for Trimble, and it's the exact same concept. You can keep on the straight and narrow path, yep. and then cut right against it on the way back. Then, then you can see some real savings. And I think those are the numbers that Rob was going. Yeah. Was, was that kind of fuel savings? Yeah, the fuel savings. Very, very direct saving when you look at the overlaps. I mean, when we calculate on a machine recommendation, machine capacity, we're at about ten percent overlap between parallel passes. Whereas in reality, I was just visiting a session on, on where they made a study on that. In reality, it was between forty-five and fifty-five percent. So already there, there is. A, savings potential yeah. uh, with, with just the horizontal steering that, we're, that we have today. Now the next step, as you mentioned, uh, when you start to add sensors to the system, which is definitely in my vision where to take this, because like you're saying, six passes, that's the instruction today, for lack of a better understanding, because we're working with materials that are extremely inhomogeneous, and just as you said, six passes is not the universal solution. It's the best thing we can do today. Maybe it should be three passes here on low amplitude and two passes on high amplitude over there. Yeah. And then another few perhaps to cover it off. And, and when the machine has the sensors and the algorithms to decide on that, then we get to the next or maybe the level after that. And then the efficiency gains will be even higher. And of course, making every pass count. I think that's a goal that is in the U.S. for where the asphalt works. But admitted, it's just as important for the soil works. And running with diesel, yes, there is cost saving if you reduce the number of passes. If you go to alternative fuels, you might have to optimize in order to get the working hours out of the machine. The waste becomes so much more expensive um, that you really have to optimize to get running. And those tools, these these kind of tools, will take us there eventually. So, is it also a um, a schedule impact in terms of you know if uh, I'm not an expert in compaction, but the compaction project is going to take 20 hours to complete, uh, you're able to, you know, obviously, the, there's no operator that needs a break. It can continue to roll. It can, it can go throughout 
anything can be done in the, in the morning. Yeah, there's there's a couple of different ways where where you get that kind of savings. One is if you if you know you're going to be able to precisely execute your plan, then you can you can budget for it more precisely. You, can, you don't have to put as much waste in your, your estimates. Yep. Right. Because if you if you know okay, it's going to take us ten hours, but it's a human operator, so plus or minus two. Well, I got to account for that. But if it's going to be a machine, it's going to be ten hours plus or minus ten minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, then you can really get your budgeting down, and you can do that sort of thing really well as well. Um, but the other interesting anecdote I heard somewhere along the path was just not using the machine when you don't need it. So a human operator, if they've done, if they're done, but they still got like another 20 minutes in their day, they'll just keep going because they don't want to seem idle. <laughs> so they're burning gas and they're compacting areas that, that don't need to be compacted just to look busy. Yeah. If you can if you can turn the machine off and you're not using it, there's a huge amount of savings there, which is kind of a crazy idea, but it's, it's very real. Yeah. yeah. It has a quality impact as well because if you're overcompacting, too many passes, you risk breaking down the material, and then you lose the properties that you're actually looking for. So it has multiple levels of impact, actually. So it will be uh, quite interesting, interesting to follow and see what we end up with. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so Frederick, tell me, uh, talk to us about Dynapack. Um, so we, we know Trimble well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if not, I've got a problem. Um, but uh, tell us, tell us a little, little bit more about Dynapack. I'd be happy to. Uh, we are machine manufacturer, Swedish origin, uh, started in 1934 when three gentlemen bought a French patent on concrete vibrators. So vibration, vibratory compaction was the start of the company. It then evolved over the years to vibratory soil compactors, uh, vibratory double drums. Uh, a lot of this development was driven by, by a real legend, I would say, in the compaction industry, Dr. Los Hospital who was research director of Dynapack for a number of years and really strongly, uh, I would say, informing, training, uh, and, and uh, really driving the development of vibratory compaction. Uh, Dynapack today is uh, French-owned. We are since 2017 owned by a French family company, the Fire Group. Uh, we are active in, let's see, we have uh, manufacturing in Sweden, which is my base. We have manufacturing in Germany for asphalt pavers, uh, Brazil for rollers, maybe for South America. We find the factories in India and Pune and in Tianjin in China. So from being a small factory uh, in, a, in a basement in Stockholm, it's now a really, truly global company, not to the size of Trimble, but catering to the niche market that, that Dynapack has with rollers, uh, single drum for soil compaction, double drum for asphalt compaction, and uh, the pavers for paving asphalt. Awesome. awesome. So now, the relationship with Trimble, like where did the where did the start? Where is it now? Well, I think it started. Um, I, I wasn't directly involved, but it, it started a number of years ago when our when the Trimble's um, research group into uh, autonomy was really looking for partners. So we need you know, we need people with the real world problems to solve. We need people with machines. We need OEM partners because you can't really go to a, to a strange OEM and try and do the system integration because might not want you there and they may not want to share the protocols and stuff. So, so Trimble's always looking for, for a good OEM partner that's willing to try new things and, and you know, get out there and experiment and, and sort of help us work through some of the bugs. So I think that's where, where Dynapack came in. As I understand it, was, it was a, a discussion between representative of ours and a representative of yours and they figured out why why don't we give it a shot? Let's see what happens. We'll, we'll form a 
loosely moderate the partnership and see where it takes us, basically, which is uh, taking us quite far. Yeah. In, uh, what are we, three, four years into it? Yeah. Something like that. So, so you mentioned that it's uh, technology between the two companies is, is in the test phase. So, like, uh, it's just as simple as it's an autonomy on, on compaction machines, or is it what what exactly are we trying to, to, to solve? Um, well, we do have we do have finished products that are out there first. So yeah. so like a lot of um, like a lot of triples construction applications, the uh, you know, the speed control and the steering control systems that you that we've we've put out on a number of different things are also been applied uh, to the Dynapack compactor. There was a release this year around um, steering control. So the operator is still in the vehicle, but but it's steering itself. And, Executing its plans, um, it's using our new sort of path planning technology, which is um, modeling how vehicles turn really accurately and, and, and planning that mission of you know minimized overlap and minimized yeah. amount of time. Uh, so those products are, are released into the market today. But the uh, the idea of the driverless compactor is is still sort of in the science well not science fiction phase. It's out at the offline. So if you want to go see it, go see yeah. it. But it's you know we're we're looking for we're looking to build up some more experience. I think. Before it's ready for prime time. Yeah. Do you think there's a like people need to be ready for it? Like, will people be freaked out by like, wait a minute, that thing's running on its own? Like, it, it, are it, are you experiencing that type of uh, of impression? <laughs> Not so much. Um, and a big part of that comes from you know we're starting to see it in our everyday with with things like cars. So we're like got a robotic vacuum cleaner, right? I mean, these are these yeah, are crazy concepts like, anymore. Is, is much more yeah, controlled. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so safety safety is obviously a huge impact, and that's something that you know Trimble has to think about when we're designing these products. Not just you know can we make the machine safe so that it doesn't do anything dangerous, um, but also in product design we have to make sure that as we're designing it, we're designing it so that it fails safe. If, if a sensor breaks, if you know we understand how sensors can break um, or fail, and we've got to make sure that you know we have designed it so that in those instances the system shuts itself down, behaves in a safe manner, or adapts accordingly. Um, and, and we're doing that because we know that you know, probably regulation is coming to say that you know, your product design must meet certain standards around safety, and we need to be ready for that. That's awesome. In my experience, or the latest discussions we've had, it's, it's rather there is a pull from certain contractors, the early adopters saying, we want this yesterday, but if we can have it tomorrow, we'll be Almost happy, but when can we get it? I mean, there's there is an actual pool, not from everybody, yeah. but from the more progressive ones. Uh, yeah, the early who are suffering today also from from the difficulties of finding labors for this. That they have the engineers, and maybe they can raise the bar, saying, "Hey, if you want to do this with Apache, you don't have to sit at the machine. You can do programming. You can sit in your computer, and then all of a sudden, hey, this is this is also what I do in my free time, and I can get paid doing it. Oh, perfect." Yeah, I'll go there yeah. any day. Yeah, the labor shortage is definitely something. I, I heard something yesterday, yesterday, and I can't remember. I can't remember what state Department of Transportation here in the U.S. was talking about it, but they have like thirteen hundred construction inspectors, hmm. and the average age is sixty. Ah, uh, yeah, that's good. So, like, event yeah. horizon. Yep. <laughs> yep. I've certainly seen in the last few years that. You know, people that were reaching retire age or thinking about teaching, retiring, um, you know, COVID kind of made the decision for them in a lot of cases, and they thought, okay, this is a good year to get out. So we are seeing that that big baby boomer generation 
finally go into retirement. And the number of people that are coming up, just you know, the, the demand is growing. We always need more stuff. We always need more things constructed. We need more food. We need more all kinds of stuff. But the people that are coming up, um, you know, it's not as big a generation, so they have to do more with less. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and they're going to need technology. And the good news is they love technology. I mean, you, yeah, the, the generations that are coming up are, are so familiar with this technology that they trust it. Yeah. Um, they trust it more than, than we do, I think, in a lot of ways. They yeah. more than they should sometimes. <laughs> no, that's well. Yeah. well, awesome. Um, so here's the last question that I've, I promised. So so everybody that's watching or listening, so I'm going to be uh, I'm gonna fair to them in that I only asked them this question uh, right before we started recording, but uh, what is your motto or what is a motto that you've heard that you uh, you find interesting as a means to live by? Uh, sure, I would say you know, very particular to, to this autonomy journey that we're on, the future is hard, don't go it alone. Um, we need partners. Um, we need partners, OEM partners like Dynapack, we have research partners, supply partners, um, technology development partners. Trimble Venture is out there investing in new partners that may come along in the future. Yeah. So I, I think that's a big thing is, is building up that ecosystem. Yeah. I like that. Frederick? I was struggling a bit with this one, but <laughs> I came up with what I think is my motto more personally, and that is uh, work to live rather than live to work. Uh, stay balanced. Make sure you get to do the things you want to do. Uh, I've been fortunate enough. I've been traveling pretty much all corners of the world years we've done a pack. Uh, extremely stimulating. Um, the good thing is, cross grown up where the factory is, it's like a 70,000 people town. So when you get back there, um, you can relax a little bit. Vegas to me is not very relaxing, but uh, <laughs> when, when you get the balance between that, you get to experience the world. Yeah, come back to a small town and, and have that at your base. That, that's a perfect way for me to balance my work life and personal life. Yeah, no, I love it. Uh, you know, it's the Love what you do when you don't work a day in your life. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Absolutely. And with Vegas, I mean, the one ex- one exception here is this booth that shuts the shuts shuts the rest of the rest of the city out. So yeah. it's very yeah. nice. Yeah. Well, guys, thank you so much for for joining me. Uh, this I, I really enjoyed this conversation. Good. Thanks for having exploring us. Exploring autonomy. Thanks for the opportunity. Yeah. It's been great. So, and uh, everybody out there listening, watching, uh, thank you very much. And until next time, stay connected. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Connected Construction Show. For more information, visit us at connectedconstructionshow.com.